good Heavenly Father, thank you for today and for sending your Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Help us as we study your word to learn from it such things as may allow us to do what you would have us to do, all to the glory of Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Today is the fifth Sunday after Trinity. As I told you a few weeks ago, and as mentioned by our beloved bishop, these many weeks after Trinity, Trinity Sunday and leading up to Advent should be reflection times, despite, that is, my drifting from that last week. In this ecclesial season, there is no major holiday, but instead a period of relative quiet where we look at some of the words of Jesus and ponder them and try to see how they can help us live out our lives. And I'll say it one more time, we have the Holy Spirit now, and that gives us our missional marching orders. And so we are pursuing sanctification, certainly not perfection, but a life that we pray is more and more in tune with how our triune God would have us live. Our very name, Holy Trinity, should give us our trajectory and our marching orders. The passage from Luke's Gospel about the entirely unexpected huge catch of fish is what I'd like to think about today. You heard the story, read as the Gospel, and I shall not repeat it. It is not as complicated as the subject of last week's sermon. But I should note that this story, in an abbreviated form, is found in Matthew and Mark as well. And so we must from that take that this is important. Interestingly, in Matthew and Mark, there's no story about a great catch of fish. The boats are there and so forth. But, and you can see a reflection of this, but it isn't as uh, long and drawn out as Luke's story. Briefly, the nascent disciples had been fishing all night, and they had little fishing success. Now remember, these folk, Peter, James, and John, were fishermen. They did this sort of thing for a living, and so we can presume that they had some expertise. And their catch must have indeed been sparse. I was reading Eugene Peterson's uh, The Message the other day, and he said, they hadn't even caught a minnow. <laughs> Might we say, they were not only tired and disappointed in their bad luck, but they, although probably not aware of it, were also primed for listening to Jesus. And aware of miracles, must have been hoping for one. Temporal context has this episode at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And we see in all three synoptic versions that Jesus was fresh from the temptation by the devil in the wilderness. Clearly, I believe, at this time, Jesus was on the hunt for individuals that he could trust, not only to just accompany him, but that would stay with him through thick and thin as he taught and preached, oftentimes against great resistance, and that would stay the course while he prepared them to be witnesses to his death and resurrection. Jesus knew very well that he had need of such folks to begin the spread of the gospel 
to the world. Luke tells us that this episode began with Jesus setting out a bit from shore in one of the fishing boats and teaching the crowd that was following him from this floating pulpit. We're not told just what he said. But the little speech was not the important thing here. In fact, we might surmise that the human side of Jesus appears to have been casing the joint, and there's no disrespect there, as it were. Jesus had no experience with fishing. Remember, he was a carpenter during his growing up years. And yet, as God on earth, he obviously had the knowledge of the divine concerning everything. Certainly, he would have known the region, and more specifically, the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, or Gennesaret, three different names for the same body of water. He also knew that a net never fills up with fish unless it's first let down. And this is what he saw as the essential ingredient in this setting. Was this a setup? Possibly. Jesus, as man-God, knew where the fish were, and he knew that there was a huge school of fish ready for the seining in the deeper water. Now, I'm gonna, I didn't have this in written here, but I'm going to mention that William Barclay, who I mention frequently, is the uh, Presbyterian commentator that I use a lot, says there was clearly no miracle here. It was just fortuitous that Jesus had the nets thrown down where some fish were. I kind of disagree with that. In any event, I think he was prescient in that sense, and he knew that there was fish, were fish available in the deeper water. So that's what he told Simon Peter to do, drop the nets into deep water. Now, Peter's lack of enthusiasm here is quite clear. He reminded Jesus that the group had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. But Peter also must have been aware of the potential when the Lord is involved in the scene. Well, what happened caught Peter totally off guard. You know the story. There were so many fish brought up that the nets were close to tearing. But this near catastrophe had benefit as well. It required others to come and help out in drawing the nets. And this exposed them all to this colossal and unanticipated catch and to the person that was behind it all. Strangely, I think about the fact that there was probably a magnetic pull on everybody seeing this huge catch of fish. It reminded me when I used to go fishing as a kid, I'd see somebody catch a fish and I'd walk over closer to him or her and throw my bobber, my worm in close to where that person was. I think that's true. I think there is a magnetism when a lot of fish are caught. But let's look at what really did happen here. Peter seeing the huge reward of fish and recognizing the power of Jesus over nature, could not handle it. The Lord's activity that was really tantamount to a miracle here must have somehow illuminated problems that may have been imminent in Peter. Somehow, he began to reflect on his own life and the sin therein. This, to me, is the same kind of thing that may happen to any of us. 
when we pray or when we become involved in an event that tickles our spiritual nerve. Prayer has been called by others and myself and by me too, practicing the presence of God. And that is when we notice, I think, our own predilection to sin and weakness. Now, we certainly know of Peter's strengths and weaknesses. There's plenty of evidence for that later on in Scripture. At one time, Peter could be a strong exponent for Jesus, and at another time, he was able to deny having anything to do with him. Please recall his thrice denial of Jesus during the period of time leading up to the Passion, when he really showed serious weakness of character. Is this not like you and me? We fade under pressure and are very, very willing to follow the crowd instead of standing up for what we know to be right and believe in our hearts. But let's talk about an even larger lesson that is hidden here. Larger in the sense that it is for all of us as Christ followers. There's little new about it, very little new about it. We've heard it many times before. Dropping a net into deep water is very much like, you guessed it, walking across the room, or call it reaching out, or call it going the extra mile to meet folks where they are. There is certainly an amount of risk when one drops the net or when one walks across the room. As I was preparing this, I thought of that TV show, Deadliest Catch, where those rather daring and, I think, foolhardy folks pursue Alaskan crab in frigid waters. I get cold just watching that show. Now, I don't think that walking across the room is anything like that. But there is risk. There's the risk of embarrassment and of wounded pride. I'm again talking about that comfort zone out of which we are for the most part loath to go. It's just not good enough to have the right Bible, the right kind of preaching, and the right kind of music in church. All that is important, but simply not good enough to catch human beings. Church folk talk about witnessing, and they learn new methods of witnessing, develop services, and build aquariums where any fish would be happy and comfortable, and we wait for them to swim in. The truth is, they don't, and they aren't going to. Just as it was that day, Jesus knows where the fish are. He, through the Holy Spirit, sends us where they are, and he tells us to fish. And just as it was in that day, when we obey his commands, he will fill the nets. Listen, our plans, our programs, and our efforts are all useless unless they are designed and directed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that we all must do as the fishermen in the narrative did. We can't pack up our nets and leave town and become fishers of men. Surely, some folks do that when they're called by God 
to do so. But most of us have established lives and established patterns, and we have responsibilities that are part of those lives. We found a niche and must pursue life within the confines of that niche. But I am saying, as I've said more than once previously, that we must walk across the room. Meet other folks who may or may not know the good news and tell them our personal experience with the risen Lord. We must never let an opportunity go by to be bold for Jesus Christ. It is a needy world out there. And we know the needs. We can make such a difference in a needy person's life, but again, we must be bold as brass. I will not say that this is an easy thing to do, but I do know from very personal experience that it becomes easier with time. So just go out and try it. I've heard the excuse from many that they just will not know what to say to people. And all I can answer, and you've heard the Archdeacon say this repeatedly, is that the indwelling Holy Spirit will fill in the gaps and allow one to speak out the truth of the good news. Try it. And I can assure you that the rewards will be awesome. Again, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for Jesus Christ and the good news. Help us to be bold in our faith. In fact, increase our faith so that we, like the fishermen who were overwhelmed with the huge catch of fish, may be so inspired that we lose our fear of reaching out to others who need this good news so badly. And thank you for your Holy Spirit who gives us exactly what we need to do your work on earth. Amen.